Welcome to Video Store. I am Sam Mulberry, and today we are talking about the 1992 film The Crying Game. So let's step into Barrett Fisher's Video Store. Barrett, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, Sam. Barrett, I have to say, um, there's been a couple movies that you've recommended that either I've seen or haven't seen. But when you said it, I was my thought was like, well, I don't, I don't really know if I. This is one I saw in 1992, and I wasn't, I didn't know if I was going to be excited to watch this again because i had certain memories of it and we'll talk about kind of our history with this film but i'm just gonna say right off the top this movie's great it's really interesting i i really liked this movie and even over the course of this week it got better to me as i as i sort of sat with it so let's uh let's jump off with our typical uh uh, kicker here uh what is your history with this film so I saw the film uh, when it came out in 92, um, and I saw it, this is long enough ago that I saw it at Harmar Mall. Um, those of us who have been around uh, Minnesota for a while, I remember when Harmar had, had theaters, uh, and I, that, that's where I saw it, and um, fortunately I did not go into it with any spoilers, and so I was as surprised by everybody else, uh, by the big reveal in the film. Um, and one thing I noticed watching it again this time is the reveal comes earlier than I remembered. Um, two things I noticed, the setup, the first one, and I think the film divides into three acts, uh, and, and the setup is much longer than I remembered. In other words, the time up to when Jody is killed, that, that had a longer, deeper development than I remembered. And I also, having not remembered at what point in the film the reveal came, I did not remember how much more action there is and development after that. So those those were the things that had faded from my mind almost after uh, almost uh, thirty years. It, it's funny that is almost word for word what I was going to say. To my mind, the the reveal uh, is was the end of the movie, and when it <laughs> happened, I which was kind of great rewatching it because I was sort of shocked. I was like, wait that happened now. And I, and I knew how much was left of the movie. And I thought, this is, this is not the movie I thought it was. I thought that was what the movie was about. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, one of the big, uh, my big takeaways is how much this movie has changed in 28 years, both personally and culturally. Um, You know, the, the way, uh, the way that, that this would have been viewed in 1992. And I will say I was uh, when this movie came out, I was probably 15 or 16, but I was old enough at that point where I could make my own um, movie watching decision. So I'm, I'm, I didn't see this in the theaters, but I'm sure I, this was probably one of those early, early years for me where I was into saying like, I want to see everything that's nominated for an Oscar. Cause I want to sort of be involved in that. So I remember watching this um, in 92 or 93 uh, and Probably, you know, and, and it's interesting to think about what 28 years of like personal maturity has done to me and then sort of uh, cultural change. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I also um, it's I feel good talking to uh, an English professor that I also have in my notes. Uh, I talked about three acts and I talked about what what's interesting about it is those acts are punctuated by sort of big shocking things. Mm-hmm. And the, the reveal, which is the 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 dill sort of gender reveal is only one of the big shocks of this movie. I totally forgot the other things that just uh, that I had no idea was going were going to happen. So <laughs> that was that was really great too to uh to kind of uh kind of take that in. Before we get into the specifics of the film though, I'm curious uh you mentioned last week um Neil Jordan just as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. 
So was he somebody that you were aware of going into this movie? Like, like what did you bring with you to this movie? Yeah, that was that was my introduction to Jordan. Um, uh, that was the first. It, it, I think it's about the fourth film that he had made by this time in his career, um, and he wasn't very good uh, standing. Uh, he'd made a series of flops, uh, and in fact, the the the, the um, funding for the, for this film was very touch and go. Uh, it was really made on a on a shoestring, uh, including not even having adequate wardrobe in some in some cases, but. I guess, you know, I, I must have gone to see the film just because um, it was hyped. And uh, so then I've kind of subsequently, I went back, I watched, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen probably about half of this film output. Uh, he did an earlier film with Bob Hoskins, which is very good, called Mona Lisa. Um, and then he's followed up with, he actually has another transgender film with Killian Murphy um, and also Stephen Ray. Ray has appeared in a lot of his films uh, called uh, Breakfast on Pluto. Uh, which is really interesting. He's got his um, he's got his magical realism film film called Undina, which is about a selkie uh, with uh, Colin uh, Colin Farrell. Um, the Good Thief with Nick Nolte, which is an interesting remake of a French film, uh, and then a really interesting film uh, called The Butcher Boy. So um, those are things that I've gone on to watch subsequently. Um, but um, I, I like I like what um, Vincent Canby. In his review, says says about how he characterizes um, uh, Jordan. He says he makes melodramas that are often very funny, fantasies that are commonsensical, and moral fables that are perverse. At heart, he is a madly unreconstructed romantic. In his view, the power of love can work miracles of a kind that would send Freud back to his own couch. <laughs> um. So let's let's dive into uh, let's let's dive into this uh, this movie. Uh, and maybe we can even just sort of walk through the the three acts a little bit um, because I, I thought it, it struck me how interesting each one of those almost mini films within this film were. Um, so I knew Forrest Whitaker was in this movie. And in my head, when I turned this on, I was thinking, oh, yeah, he's the guy that like dies right away in the movie. Right. And I was I was amazed how big of a part he has and how much I enjoyed that film how much i enjoyed jody and fergus you know the the hostage and the captor um and uh it was interesting watching because i wasn't sure because i again because i didn't remember the the specifics of the plot very much i wasn't sure is this a story about these two guys becoming friends is this a game of chess that i'm watching yeah. and it turns out it's kind of both <laughs> um and 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 i just i was riveted by that um yeah, it, it, it's almost like a reverse Stockholm, Stockholm Syndrome, right? Um, where, where it's Stephen Ray that gets caught up in, in, uh, in, in Whitaker. And I, and I think, yeah, you're right, you're right, Sam. You know, my initial thought or my initial recollection was, yeah, that's just kind of a, it's just kind of, a, uh, of an excuse to get Fergus to meet Dill. But in fact, it's one of the love stories in the film. Um, mm -hmm. they, there, there is a, a genuine affection uh, between uh, between uh, Fergus and uh, and Jody and the things they talk about you know for the, the example the conversation about cricket right cricket becomes a motif in the film um, the visions he keeps having of Jody bowling uh, and then of course when we get to this we'll get to this later but when he dresses dill in Jody's cricket sweater uh, it's quite clear that the way this film deals with love and gender identity is 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 quite complex. 
Um, and I think it leaves us at the end with a question about exactly where is Fergus going in his own journey and and and, and what what is the nature of, of love? You know, so I, I think that it turns out, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you that that first 40 minutes uh, is really kind of a film in itself. And it's really foundational to everything else that happens. Yeah. And, and it also sets up the a question that's going to run through about run throughout it too, which is like, there are these, these different kinds of love stories. And then there's also it's overlaid with uh political affiliation too. So it's like, like where, where does your loyalty lie? Does your loyalty lie with the IRA? Cause I mean, cause the, the Fergus character is, I mean, they're, they're constantly sort of trying to get him to prove his loyalty with certain things. And they're seeing they're He's he's the one who's sort of slipping into this relationship with um, with Jody, and then that comes back later when 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 that sort of plot comes back up uh, in the the third act of the film. Um, so so I thought I thought that the combining those things was really interesting, and um, and really hiding the fact that this was going to be, as you point out, kind of multiple love stories. And 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 the other way in which history has been kind to of the film, um, which was harder on it when it first was was released, is as you can imagine, 1992, a film with a sympathetic view of an IRA uh, volunteer did not go over well in Britain. Um, but you know, since the uh, the Easter Peace Accord of, of 98 um, and the kind of the demilitarization of the IRA, it's a lot easier to watch this film now than it would have been for a contemporary audience. Yeah. So so. Uh... Then that act comes to a conclusion that I did not remember. So when they when he takes him out into the woods, and I and it was it was so great because I I realized how much Jordan had put me into Fergus's head because as Jody's running away, I I had this moment of panic where I was like, I don't know what I want him to do. Do I I think I want him to shoot him, but I think I don't want him to shoot him. And I and I like I was feeling all of those loyalties and pulls because the film has not yet established who's who I'm supposed to be siding with. Yeah. Um, and, and then the big shocker is what happened. I mean, when, when, when he runs out into the road and is instantly hit by a car, I just, my head exploded <laughs> and then the building explodes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually what happened to Jody was one of the images from the film that was absolutely seared into my head. Um, and as he started running through the woods, I almost closed my eyes because I because I knew it was happening. And I, I have to forget, I have to admit, I had forgotten that it was a double whammy that he gets hit once and you think maybe he'll be okay. And then the tank rolls over. Completely <laughs> over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and and so so that just seemed like this big sort of explosive moment. And that was the only point in the movie where I wished I didn't know where parts of it were going i can, i mean i i i because i was young enough and kind of unexperienced enough when i saw this like i would have loved to have watched this this week without knowing anything about it and just being mm -hmm. like this is a movie where anything can happen and then jordan sort of ups the stakes and says really anything can happen you know he's like like like, like all of your expectations he's he's sort of putting you on notice um to say you know things that you that appear one way you know you you should uh uh be on guard against that or, or be on guard not maybe not against that but 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 have your guard up in terms of things not being as they appear yeah a couple of other things that happen in this first act sam i think are important especially um when you've watched the film before you can see the the clues the hints that are being laid right so um so uh 
Jody, Jody tells um, somebody, I wrote this down, I remember who said this. Oh yeah, yeah, Jody tells Fergus that Dill is not Fergus's type. Right. Um, uh, he also defines, describes Dill as quote, a special friend, uh, and then says that women are trouble, but Dill is no trouble at all. You know, so, and, and to me, that is, that's kind of the fun part of knowing uh, the solutions. Exactly. Right, it's like, I used to tell my students, you know, the first time you read something like Jane Austen's Emma, uh, you, you, don't, you don't know what's gonna happen, so everything is a surprise. And the second time you read it, it's all ironic. Uh, and I'll always take irony over surprise every time. The other thing, of course, that happens in, the, um, in, this, in this first scene, or this first uh, part, is uh, you get the story of the scorpion and the frog, um, which, at least one critic I read thought that was tedious and hated its repetition, but I love it. I, I think it's a, I think it's a beautiful um, technique of closing the film, and I think it's a really interesting metaphor for for human nature to think thinking about why people behave the way that they do. Um, well, I, what I what I especially liked about it was I was that it's initially told by Jody to Fergus, and yeah. I'm pretty sure Fergus doesn't understand why Jody's telling him that. Yeah. That's right. Like many of the other things Jody is trying to like indicate to him, Fergus isn't picking up on it. And then you get to the end and he's when he's the one telling Dill it, you realize he has now this has always been about his relationship with Jody, you realize. And he's realizing I now understand what he was saying and now I'm going to say to I'm going to tell this to Dill to like I I loved I did too. I thought it was I thought it was really spectacular. And it's, and it's also interesting. Jordan doesn't go back to this, but it's also interesting that Fergus um, says to Jody, "When I was a child, you know, I thought as a child," which of course is 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 in in the same you know Corinthians passage that talks about the nature of love. Um, and it's like Fergus says it, but then he says, "I don't know. I I don't know what I mean." Um, so it's almost as though he's aware that he's on a journey, but he doesn't even know exactly where he's going. Right, right. So then we get to the second act of the film, which um, is uh, now in London. We have um, J- Fergus as Jimmy. Um, so we're we we're seeing. Uh, I, I was trying to note, and we'll we'll get to this. All of the um, sort of shifting identities, both within and outside of this film, that make it really interesting. But we have we have Jimmy now hiding, or excuse me, Fergus hiding out as Jimmy in London. And he, so we see him. We see him finally tracking down Dill, sort of following through on what um, what Jody had told him to do. And we get sort of this uh, kind of courtship story. I don't know how to describe that, mm-hmm. but but it but it's uh it's really I just I love the way that it's that it's built out too. That the the sort of the role that the Metro plays, the role that um, oh what is what is the the bartender's name? Call call. Call yes, yes, yeah. like like the role that he plays in there, because that's almost a character that's unnecessary, but he's very necessary. Well, any 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 time Jim Broadbent shows up, it's a good thing, right? <laughs> and, and 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 that scene where he's the go between is it's just it's it's quite wonderful. Uh, and he's another one, of course, that gives one of those clues to uh, to uh, to Fergus slash Jimmy. Um, you know, there's something I should tell you. And then he's about to maybe tell him, and then she comes out singing the crying game. So, <laughs> yeah, and and I love that he normally in a scene where you have a character who's forced to be the go-between, that person is put upon, and they get frustrated by it. And it's like you can tell he he's 
gleefully doing it. <laughs> he actually he actually enjoys the patter of like going back and forth. And clearly, I'm guessing this is a game that they have played before with other people. Right, right. And it's interesting yeah. that there's evidently there are a lot of people, maybe even everybody, who knows. Right, right, who, right. Who knows what Jimmy doesn't know? Right. Yeah. Uh, and so. What are other so so this leads up to the the sort of dill reveal, but what are other um kind of big ideas or big themes we see and come out in that story? Well, that you know, part I, of the story. I, you know, I, I think one thing that's that's well, one thing that's happening during this act is uh you get the reinforcement of um Fergus's relationship with Jody. You get a couple different visions of Jody, again, those images of Jody bowling. Uh and so it's so it's it's clear that. Um, it's almost as though is it is it a is it a struggle in in Fergus's mind between whether he's being faithful to Jody or is he being unfaithful to Jody, you know, because he's obviously taking this farther than Jody necessarily planned, or is this exactly what Jody wanted him to do? So because so so there's kind of this um, menage a trois with a ghost, mm-hmm. um, and 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 so Jody is the he's the person who who of course initially is unseen by Dill. He's he's the presence and the relationship in a way, interestingly enough, which is more vivid for Fergus than it is for Dill, because mm-hmm. Dill doesn't know that Fergus knows Jody, uh, and so he's actually bringing this third person into the relationship that for her is a very private thing. So he's got this kind of emotional intimacy with her that she doesn't even know about. So you know that's where that's the reason I put the crying game after Tootsie, right? Because um, Part of what's going on is, is Fergus is, in a sense, is almost the Dustin Hoffman character uh, in, in, in the film. But Dill is also the Dustin Hoffman character, right? Mm-hmm. Because because Dill's got a secret as well that that Fergus doesn't know. So I just well, and- love that kind of doubling of um, you know, it's like everybody's got everybody's got a mask on, uh, and and so it's really interesting as to you then then it raises questions about you know to what degree is your identity of performance. And to what degree is your identity something who you essentially are, which is why that scorpion frog thing uh, resonates so much. Well, I also think it's interesting that Jody, when we see those um, kind of, I guess I was going to call them flashbacks, but they're not flashbacks, but those sort of the ghostly image of Jody coming to um, uh, coming to to Jimmy, um, he's playing a game, right? Mm-hmm. And and so and and like and there there is this kind of. Uh, especially when the reveal happens and then they, you get a different shot of him just sort of throwing the ball up to himself and smiling and laughing. And it's like, he's, he's, it's like, he's been watching this game play, play out. And, and there's this kind of glee that he has, even though he's this tragic figure who gets killed in the, you know, in the, in the first act of the movie um, that he's very present in that way as well. And, and, and another role that, that Kyle plays in, um, in, in this, section of the film is uh at one point when uh fergus jimmy asks why dill is um involved with somebody like dave um he says um you uh what is it says, you who knows the secrets of the human heart mm-hmm. and and you know so that's that kind of gets back to that 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 that's how in a sense the film connects in the middle without telling the scorpion frog story again the film mm-hmm. connects with it who know who knows the secrets of the human heart so I thought that actually the 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 having that Dave character was really um, interesting, and I, f- I feel like it's uh, it sort of served this function of a direction Jimmy could end up, 
you know, in a relationship with so so because there are moments when you see him in places where you saw Dave and it's like, wait, are, are you Dave now? I like, have you become Dave to Dill? But then we see Jimmy tr- um, trying to be something else right. to her, you know? And I thought that was, I, you know, it, and it was one of those where when he was first there, I was sort of frustrated by that character. But then I was like, Oh, I now I see the, I could see the purpose of why that's there to tell me something about what Fergus, cause that's somebody Fergus sees and he's sort of, um, trying to not be that in certain ways. I also think the Dave character tells you a lot about Dill. Um, you know, I think that, I think that when people struggle with the identity and the way that Dill struggles with identity, right? There's a, there's a real challenge to believe that you're, that you're, um, that you're worthy. There, there's a real challenge to believe that you're, you, you're valuable. It, it's a, there's a real challenge not to look at yourself the way society looks at you, especially in 1992. And so, you know, Dave is clearly um, abusive, uh, emotionally, if not physically. And so, and I may be reading something into this, but I, I don't think I am. I, th- I think that there's a sense in which, you know, Dill maybe doesn't think that she, he deserves the kind of love that Jody provided. Uh, I think you're, I think you're right. And I, and I think that's, um, I think that's one of those things that as a, as a viewer, like you, you like, you feel like, but you did like, like, like you, like you, it's like, you want to, it, it, it gets, it makes you want to um, protect Dill in the way that Jimmy and Fergus want to like Jimmy Fergus want to sort of protect Dill from Dave and want, want to. So, it, because I think what that does is it makes it so interesting after the reveal that um, Fergus is still so drawn to uh, so drawn to Dill and drawn mm-hmm. to like, like he, in lots of stories after, after that, that gender reveal, like he's just gone. Like that's just over. And it's, that's what makes the movie so interesting. And the fact that there's so much of the movie at, so that we can sort of move into the third act um, um, is that he can't just let that go. He can't just let Dill go, even though his first reaction is, you know, he, I mean, he go, he, he goes into the bathroom and is vomiting. We see Dill sitting on the, on the couch sort of hurt by that. But then it's like, but we, he's, he's been connected to her so deeply at that point. And that's also why, to me, it's a much more braver, it's a much braver and more interesting movie in that respect than, say, Tootsie, where, you know, I complain about how Tootsie kind of ends and, you know, now it's going to be, you know, I guess happily ever after. It's not clear. Whereas this movie, I mean, now we're only two thirds of the way through. Now we're really going to see how this, how this plays out and, 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 and how we're going to bring back in the political element. The one thing I had, I had, I think I had half forgotten was the way that the IRA, the way, the way that um, uh, Jude and, uh, and the other IRA guy come back in. I, I think I half forgotten that. I mean, I, I, I knew in terms of how you construct a plot that they couldn't possibly, that they had to come back. Um, but that also connects the film. I just have to say as an aside, connects the film with one of, one of the earlier films that we watched, which is uh, the, the great noir out of the past. Um, and and in, that, in that sense, this film has a noir inflection, uh, right? Because you know that you can go across the water, but they're going to fi- they're going to find you. Your past will always find you out. So that's the other element of this film, right? It's also about how does how does Fergus uh, shed his IRA uh, past finally? Um, so so as we move into that that the the third act a little bit, um, do you remember your sense of? the sort of big reveal uh when you first saw this movie like yeah i was like 
unbelievable. I mean, I'm unbelievable in two senses, right? Unbelievable that um, in a mainstream film in a, in a theater at Harmar that we had full male frontal nudity. I mean, I have to say that. I mean, that really surprised me. Um, but yeah, it, it was like, um, I, I, I had no, no idea whatsoever. And I have to say, Sam, is that early in the film, in the first scene when he first meets Dill, I actually saw Jay Davidson. I mean, so it was like for some reason, I, maybe because I knew, but then as but then as it went on, he became she more completely for me. But there were moments early on where the reveal kind of was already in my in my head. Hmm. Uh, but, but the first time, I think probably my head snapped back, and I, you know, and, and you're full of a theater full of people, right? And they all go, <gasps> "Yeah, it's great." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, what else do you want to say about the the third act, and then we can get to sort of the the coda scene at the end. Um, yeah. Um. You know, it, it, the, the third act starts off. Um. You know, it, it's back in the metro. And it's kind of, you know, restarting the relationship. Now, what do we do? And she sings the crying game again, which, you know, one of the things I'll say about this film is it uses three three songs with with, with amazing effectiveness, right? You get you the beginning at the, op at the opening, you get the ironic when a man loves a woman. And at the end, I love what he does at the end. You get Stand By Your Man, the Tammy Wynette uh, song, sung by Lyle Lovett. Right. <laughs> to me, to me, that that's one of the great jokes of the film at the end. But then I just love the way the crying game keeps get, get, keeps getting used over and over. So it seems appropriate when they restart the relationship that just as he was prevented from getting the reveal about Dill when she came out singing the crying game the first time because Kyle's about to say something. The second time she sings the crying game, it's when they're kind of re restarting things. And then he and Kyle have this little conversation where he says to Kyle. You know, she's not a girl. And Kyle says, whatever you say. Hmm. So so now, you know, it's like he's trying to figure out, you know, can I pretend that I know this is not a girl? Or can I figure out how to have a relationship with somebody who is completely different from what I thought she was? Um, and so I think it's I think it's it's helpful or it's interesting that while he's having the struggle. Then the then the IRA shows up, right? So the and, and then the IRA shows up for for kind of two reasons. First of all, to complete well, three reasons. First of all, to complete that plot strand. Secondly, to present him with the temptation of Jude, whom he refuses to go to bed with, mm -hmm. you know, which I think is you know an interesting an interesting issue, right? It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to go a different direction, but it means he's not gonna, he's not going to go that direction. And of course, it provides an out for Dill. Um, and it, because he realizes that he so cares for Dill, whatever you want to call the nature of that love, he so cares for, for her that he's doing everything he can to protect her. So you get a scene which connects with, um, uh, connects with Vertigo. Uh, he tries, you know, cuts her hair, tries to remake her into Jody. Um, and, and then of course, you know, ends up uh, taking the blame for the, for, for, for the murder. Um, so I, I just love the way that, you know, Jordan manages to resolve both plot strands, kills off both IRA people, uh, saves Dill, gives them a, gives them a future, uh, at some point. You know, and with the other thing it does is it makes this such an exciting movie. Like there's like he, there, there, this movie is just, it's like, it's thoughtful and interesting, but it's punctuated by, with these other, um, <sighs> 
kind of other elements, right? Like, like, like there, there is this, these, this punctuation of violence in the first, you know, at the end of the first act, there's punctuation of violence a couple times at the end of the third act. And, um, and I just like, I feel like it's in that way, it's just a really, it's a really well-made movie in terms of that too. Like it's, it's loaded with questions that sort of keep working on you. And like, I, I think I said before I watched this on Monday and I was like, this was a pretty good movie or excuse me on Sunday. And by midday on Monday, I was thinking to myself, this is a great movie. I just, cause I just kept thinking about it. And I just kept thinking about how interesting it was that he builds up this love story in act two. And then he, it's like, he tries to do everything to, to, to make you think that he's killed it. And then you get to act three and it's like, Oh, the love is still there. This is still, you know, because that's in his, that's in his nature and he's learning about his nature. And then that leads to the, the great scene at the end where he tells that story to sort of explain it. And I, and, I, and I think Dill works through that sense of betrayal in a way that's very realistic. You know, I mean, she 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 really wants, part of her really wants to kill him, uh, mm-hmm. but the other part of her can't do it. And I think one of the really poignant things about what happens um, with with the reveal, and um, she says she says to him, to, speaking about Jude, she used her tits and her cute little ass to get him, didn't she? And you, and you, and you get that, that deep sense of, I can never be, really the woman that I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's a moment of real compassion uh, for for uh, Fergus because he's he's been involved with Jude too. And so he now also is in Jody's position, right? Choosing between Jude and Dill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gets and 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 he makes the you know he makes the right choice. So. Yeah. Um one of the fun things in reading reviews, contemporary reviews for this movie, um, was the glee that Every reviewer had because every reviewer I read really liked the movie, and they had this kind of glee writing a review saying, "I am not. There is something I'm not telling you." And you, I mean, it just sort of jumped off the page of you know. And and it's interesting because um, in in the Variety review of this, they they talked. I, I presume this is probably when it came to America because this was not a a successful movie in the UK. Right. Um, initially, but but it was it was in America, and one of the things they talked about in Variety was how do you how do you market this movie where uh, it's about? I mean, Neil Jordan actually talked about one of the things that helps when it comes to the U.S. is the U.S. is not or Americans are not particularly aware or deeply involved in sort of the in the troubles. So like that stuff is just kind of stuff yeah. that's happening, but you're not you're not as invested in that. So it ends up being about these other things. Um, so so it's it's very interesting like like even watching the tra- I watched went back and watched the trailer for the movie and it's so fascinating because you watch it and it's like what is this movie about except that everybody's telling you it's like you got to see it like you, there's something you have to see and it's why I love that there is um shocking surprises before the big shocking surprise mm. because you could imagine like oh wow yeah force Whitaker's death that was pretty that was wow. pretty surprising and then it's so and it's it's uh it's setting you up in a certain kind of way so i really i really enjoyed um enjoyed that one of the in ebert's review he actually compares it to another hitchcock movie um mm-hmm. uh so he says because uh, because neil jordan um uh, talked a lot about uh, Vertigo when I would read different things from him. Uh, but but uh, Ebert says, uh, Jordan's wonderful film does what Hitchcock's Psycho, mm-hmm. uh, a very different film, also did. It involves us deeply in a story and then reveals that the story is really about something else altogether. 
And of course, Psycho is also about a different gender identity than you expected. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. One, one of my other big things watching this, so I was talking to my wife, um, and when I when I heard Forrest Whitaker talk, I realized, you know, I don't know his origins. <laughs> he's not British, is he? Because and then I thought, how weird is it? And he's from Texas. Like, how weird is it that he um, that Jordan cast uh, an American to play a British soldier? And then I started thinking about uh, when we were talking about Some Like It Hot, and I was thinking about how um, that movie both within it has people playing different roles and people uh, outside of the movie coming and playing different roles. So I, I wrote down some of these that I noticed. So you have Fergus, who's Irish, who becomes Jimmy, who's a Scot. You have Dill, who's a man, who becomes Dill, who's a woman. You have Jay Davidson, who's a gay man, who becomes Dill, who's a trans woman. You have Forrest, Forrest Whitaker, who's an American, who plays Jody, who's English. You have Miranda Richardson, who's English, who plays Jude, who's Irish. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm just like... Adrian, so, Dunbar. So they, Adrian Dunbar, too. I think he's English. Yeah, yeah. So so you have um, uh, you have all of these... All of a sudden, the, the, um, the Forrest Whitaker casting makes sense in that way, too. It's like, yeah, this is about people being something they're not to or, or 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 people needing to play roles and things like that. So so I actually found that really interesting because Miranda Richardson talked about how complicated it was to be English um and to play an IRA agent both for the English audience but also for the Irish audience because she's not Irish and and so like so she she talked about really being concerned about that. Yeah. Um so he's he's she spent a lot of time with Neil Jordan's wife um who was uh um celebrated in Northern Ireland in some kinds of ways. So that gave her some cover so she could sort of, you know, kind of learn how to do this. But, but I found all of that really, uh, really fascinating um, to think about. Um, I also uh, thought that this was a movie that was well, that the, the title of the movie and the tying into the song, and you talked a little bit about that was, was uh, really, I think important because initially Jordan had planned on calling this the soldier's wife. Um, and actually, Stanley Kubrick talked him out of that, saying it's that people will think it's a war movie. Um, but even if you even if you take that out, like if this movie was called The Soldier's Wife, it would make me think that this is going to be about uh, about Jody's wife or girlfriend or this or special friend. Um, but because it was called The Crying Game, when you watch it, like The Crying Game could mean so many things, and it it, it does mean so many things. I mean, you think about. Um, you think about the all of the death and conflict in Northern Ireland, and you could think about the about about the crying game. You think about the um, uh, the pain that people have in relationships. I mean, like they, there's lots of ways you could interpret that title as you're thinking about this movie. So it also kind of masks what is this movie going to be about. Well, I love the, I love the fact that back to what you're saying about the uh, the marketing of the film in the U.S. It's it's interesting to me that the poster uses Jude. Um, mm. it's Jude with the gun on, on the poster. Um, the other thing I'll say is that, you know, back in the day, uh, when this film came out, it was when Siskel and Ebert were together, uh, reviewing films and Gene Siskel completely infuriated Roger Ebert by revealing, by giving the film away in his review. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ebert was in, uh, and I don't remember, I don't, th I, I'm pretty sure I didn't see that because I, I did not know that going into the film, but yeah, and it, that, uh, I, 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 now that I say that, Sam, I'm not sure whether he did it in the air or whether he did it in his column. He might have done it in his column. But at any rate, he was one of the only critics I'm aware of that actually 
gave it away, which I think is just totally irresponsible. And that sent me to the Janet Maslin interview uh, story about Jay Davidson that came out about the same time. Uh, it's a great piece uh, in the in New York Times, uh, and she t it's a fifteen hundred word uh, profile of Jay Davidson that manages never to give anything away. It's it's beautiful. Oh, really? Of course, when you read it, you can see how Maslin is navigating uh, the use of certain pronouns or not using certain pronouns. But it's great. It's really great. You can read it and have no idea. Of course, the Academy ultimately gave it away when they nominated Davidson for Best Supporting Actor. Um, mm -hmm. Um, the other thing I just want to add is uh, that we talked about three acts, but there really is an epilogue. I, I consider I consider the film has an epilogue, mm -hmm. uh, and and the epilogue actually I totally forgot about this. So I looked at my notes. The epilogue actually gives us another biblical quote. So we had we had Fergus quoting First Corinthians at the beginning, but at the end, when Dill comes to visit him, she says, "No greater love," and mm -hmm. makes that reference to you know to Christ's sac sacrifice. Uh, and then, of course, he tells, as we've already said, he tells the story of the scorpion and and, and the frog again, which I think is just a beautiful act of closure uh, and kind of a way of saying, you know, um, the scorpion and the frog story kind of predicted what was going to happen. And you've seen it played out. And that kind of closes the closes the loop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I will say I, I will I will close by saying that. Um... I actually think this movie somehow was better 28 years later without having to be shocked by the reveal. Yeah. I really like, like, because I, I, I mean, like you said, I did think it was so interesting to listen to how people talked about things and not just in like a playful, we're hiding something from you, but like it made me think about uh, Fergus during the, the sort of second act. I knew what, like, I got to be a somebody in the Metro who's like, oh, I know what's happening here. I wonder how this is going to play out. Um, and then it meant that I could pay attention to things after the shock, without, after the reveal, without being shocked myself to be like, okay, well, what is happening next? Mm -hmm. What is his next move? You know, I, and I think, I, so I actually think in, in some ways, it's a movie that almost demands to be watched twice. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just like just like I read Emma. I've read Emma more than once. It's just yeah, God, the pleasure just keeps deepening. Yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about with this? With well, this you know, I, I I made connections to several other films that we've already seen uh, in our in our conversations over the past several months. Tootsie, Out of the Past, Vertigo, Psycho. I also want to mention one other that I haven't not brought in before, and that is that in a sense, it's also a persona film in that it really it's a film about masks and it's a film about identity. Uh, and now Persona is more interested in kind of the liquidity of identity, but at the same time, there's a different kind of liquidity here. What's ma what's masculine, what's feminine, what's male, what's female, what's constructed, what's natural. Um, I, th I think it's, it's playing with those ideas in a much different way than Persona, but I, I would put it in that kind of in that category as a film about, about identity and nature. Absolutely. So, uh, what do you have for us next week? Okay, well, I'm going to mess with your head next week. Um, as long as we're talking about fluidity and identity, um, I want to do a 2005 um, very, very black comedy, The Lobster. Uh, oh. uh, it's uh, it's the first film first film in English by the same Greek director who most recently did The Favorite. Um, uh, but I just think we need to have our heads messed with a little bit. Uh, it's got a great performance by Colin Farrell among other people. Uh, the current queen, Olivia Coleman, uh, is, is in it, and a couple of other good people. Rachel Weisz is a co-star. So um, I haven't been back to this film since I saw it in the theater, and I, I really need to see it and talk with somebody about it. 
it's a film I saw with my son. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about it, but I'd love to talk with you about it, Sam. Yeah, this is a movie that I was very aware of when it came out, and I, I heard uh, a lot of conversation about it, and then it just sort of slipped through my fingers, and I didn't end up seeing it, so I'm really excited, because I know I know a little bit about what this movie's about, and I'm I'm actually, I'm very excited to watch this. I, 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 I think I, I shouldn't doom it, but I, I think it's a polarizing film. I, I, I think it's a film that people are going to love or hate, mm-hmm. uh, so I'll just put that out there. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, Barrett, as always, thank you so much for recommending this film and for talking about it. I, this is one that, I mean, at this point we're 33 movies in. So I started over the weekend of like, what if I like tried to rank the movies we watched? And I thought, well, that's silly, but it's like, but this one would be high, way higher than, than I would have guessed. Like, I, I think this movie is great. I really, I really, really do. Um, and I, I kind of didn't expect that this week. I, I expected a movie that was going to feel very 1992. Yeah to me and in fact it feels uh current and interesting in different ways than it did in 1992 and i i really if somebody's made it through this whole podcast and hasn't seen the crying game i don't know why but go watch it we didn't spoil anything it is a i mean we we revealed things but the movie is not spoiled the movie is not about shocking reveals the movie is about the nature of love and the nature of identity and it's it's really fantastic all right, that is all the time we have. Uh, thank you for listening to us. Uh, you can always check out our website if you want to see, uh, find all our episodes and see uh, see all the movies that we've talked about arranged in some different ways. That's uh, videostorepodcast.wordpress.com. We will be back next week to talk about The Lobster in the Video Store. <laughs>